back five or six years ago, whenever it was, the Lord began stirring in my wife and I uh, that change was coming for us, a, a different direction in ministry. We'd been, as most of you know, living in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area, traveling with Kenneth Hagan and uh, helping doing, producing music and doing things like that for him. And I, I just had the sense for a long time that change was coming and get ready for it. You know, the Lord will always tell you what's ahead if you'll listen. Yeah. Now, you might not get all the specifics that you want at the time, right, right. but you'll get the part that he wants you to have. Right. And so I started getting ready. Well, how do you get ready for change when you don't know what you're doing? Hmm. You just start praying. You just start seeking God more. And so we did uh, really for quite a quite a number of months. And we had no idea what was coming up. No clue. Matter of fact, the only thing I knew was that the Lord had dealt with me very specifically, that even though I was doing uh, some music things, that that was not my main call and that I was a preacher and I was a minister and I was to treat that as my main thing and the music could fall somewhere after that. So I knew that much, but uh, I'm preparing for that. I just assumed that we'd keep traveling. That's what I'd done, you know. And then the Lord dealt with me, as I've told you before, one night as we've been praying. One night I was driving in my car around Cleveland, Ohio area. And I mean, I just heard the Lord speak to me. Now you might say, well, what did the car fill with a white cloud? And was there an audible voice? No, he spoke to me. And God could do that. Certainly we have scripture for that. But, but God spoke to me the same way he'd speak to anybody on the inside where he is. You know, where is the spirit of God? He, he lives on the inside of us if you're a believer. So God spoke to me in there. And, and now let me say this. He's always wanting to lead us. He's always wanting to guide us. And he does that by that inner witness, doesn't he? Where it just seems like on the inside, you should go this direction. Or it just seems like don't go that way. How many have experienced that in your life at some point in the other? It seems like I should uh, marry this person. Or it seems like I should dump this individual. Right? <laughs> you want to follow that, don't you? Yes, yes you do. Well, this was stronger than that. This I actually heard these words on the inside of me. The Lord, the Spirit of God spoke up and, and I'm just driving along, fellowshipping with God. And, and I heard these words. What about pastoring? Well, see, he might say it totally different to you if that's what he was calling you to do. But he just said it pretty casually to me, but strong. And I knew it was him. How do you know it was him? Well, I know him. And if you know him, you'll know when it's him. And so without without thinking about it, without processing it in my mind, without doing anything else, I just said, if that's what you want, fine with me. See, I had already consecrated to whatever he wanted these several months ahead of time. If he said, what about China? I'd say fine with if, if that's where God wants you. You know, I've learned that the safest place in the will in the world is the will of God. That's right. Amen. And if the will of God for you is is, uh, you know, working the subways in London last week. Well, then if that's God's will, if that's where you're supposed to be, that's the safest place in the world. And we're already getting testimony, not me personally, but the, uh, the church, churches are already getting testimonies of believers over in London who were supposed to be on trains, uh, supposed to be in different situations. And for some reason, it just seemed like, don't go here. Some of them had an even stronger thing than that. Get away. And see, God will attempt to deal with, see, he knows ahead of time. Well, why didn't he just stop it? There's reasons. Uh, that's, that's a different message than today's message. Amen. Sometimes he can, sometimes he can't. And there's reasons why. But regardless, um, glory to God, he delivered people. Well, he spoke to me that day. 
And I never had any inkling to do what we're doing here. It had never crossed my mind other than every once in a while, I thank God that we weren't called to do to be pastors, you know. <laughs> but then that second that he said, what about that? And I said, sure, if that's what you want, fine with me. Well, the second way I said that, well, then the anointing came on me to pastor. Amen. All of a sudden I used to not care about people. Now I loved them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, in uh, so then what do you do next? Put up a sign and start the next day. Well, if, if it's God starting you, it'll be God tomorrow and it'll be God the next day and he'll have to help you get going. And he has. And uh, so in the next months, we continued to pray. We had no idea where in the country he was talking about or even if it was in this country. But we didn't care. We're looking for that safe place. We're looking for the will of God for our lives. We want to be in a place that, like the Bible says, he'll bring you into a wealthy place and a good place. We wanted to be in that place where uh, he, the Lord could bless us just every bit as much as he wanted to. And there wouldn't be anything on our part holding him back. How many want to be in that place in your lives where there's nothing in your life that's keeping God from pouring out to you what he wants? And so that's what our desire was. We began to pray. And, and, and so in those next months, I began to, to seek the Lord uh, about this church. And I said, well, Lord, it's uh, certainly your idea, not mine. And uh, in the process of time, he gave me the name for the church. Good News Family Church. That sounded good to me. Seemed good on the inside. We stuck with it. And uh, th then I asked the Lord, what do you want this church to be like? And he began to put into me a uh, vision. And one of the first things I did, I said, I'd sit in my office at, at work when I wasn't busy with something else. And I just I just start jotting down uh, things like our values. And, and, you know, how many know if you're going to start a business, you ought to have a plan? And, and this is much more than a business, but how much more should we have a plan from the Lord uh, for a ministry that you, you know, don't you think it's a good idea not just to come in and say, well, we'll just see what happens, whatever. We don't know what we believe. We don't know exactly what we want to accomplish. No, we have a goal. We have a plan. We have a vision. And one of the things that the Lord, one of the very first things I started writing down was what our values were. What's the most important thing to us? And the Lord gave me three things. And one of them you're gonna, is what I'm going to, preach about whenever I get to it. <laughs> but one of the things was just so very interesting that it was in the same group. The first thing that I wrote down was, well, I value God. How many would agree? Well, you think, of course, any church should. Not every church does. How many know if you value God, you value all of God? And you don't really get to pick and choose which parts of him you like and which parts of him you don't like. If you like him, you like all of him. Hmm? And you like his ways. And how many know his ways are not going to change and become your ways? You have to change your ways to match his ways. And you'll be so blessed if you do. Well, I knew we valued God. And we val that means all of his things. That means the word. That means the spirit. Both. Right? And that means worshiping him. And that means uh, honoring him. We value God. The second thing I put down was we value people. And, uh, you know, there's churches that, that love the Lord don't, don't do much <laughs> as far as loving one another. There's a, uh, a ministry in St. Louis, and I really respect the, the church. It's, it's grown over the years into just a, a, an enormous, huge church. And the pastor's just a, a great guy. He was a good example to me. He, uh, he was just very real, not a lot of hype. How many, how many have ever seen preachers that, you know, 
they have the evangelist haircut and this and that and everything's just kind of out of the mold and you wonder, are they anything like that when they're off the, the pulpit and off the stage? Well, this gentleman was just so real and genuine, a good example. And uh, he had a slogan at his church and they put it up on the wall and it was, it was just two phrases. One said, honor God, and the other one said, help people. Amen. Well, those were his values. Any church should have these values. So, so people are important. And not just the ones that put the most, the biggest checks in, right? Not just the ones that dress a certain way, but, but everybody. How many know Jesus died for the least and the lost and the, the smelly and the ugly and, um, and then the, the good looking rich people like me, right? <laughs> no, everybody. So we value people. Well, then I, this third thing was so strong in me, but it didn't seem to fit, didn't seem to be as important, but yet it was right up there, and it was this. We value excellence. Excellence. I want to minister to you, and it's, uh, I'm just going to get started with it today and spend some time on it. I want to talk to you about becoming a person of excellence. Is this okay? Yes. It's what I'm doing, whether it's okay or not with you. Excellence. Is it really that important? Does it rank up there with valuing things like God and people. Well, the Lord began to teach me that you can't value him right. You can't worship him right. And you can't take care of people right without excellence. We're going to talk to you about excellence. Um, my cousin, who's a, a good bit older than I am, but uh, and, and I haven't spent much time with him over the years, but my cousin lives in a it's a shame where he lives. It rains four days out of the year, all in September. You can pretty much plan anything there outside as long as it's not one week in September where it rains for four days. It's a place called Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. I've been there. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. My cousin owns a good portion of it. <laughs> he's, uh, he's done very well. God's really blessed him. And recently he's become a believer. I'm so happy about that. And uh, the, one, of his, uh, one of his businesses, really his main business, was a restaurant there. Marlin fishing is the big sport there. His restaurant's called The Giggling Marlin. Um, it's a real fun place. It's got all kinds of things uh, on the wall, all kinds of goofy sayings and different things. And, but he's got a slogan. I told you about the church slogan, the, you know, honor God, help people. He's got a slogan that, that I never forgot. It's written on the menus. It's written on the wall. And the slogan is this. Uh, it says, if our food, drinks, and service is not up to your standards, please lower your standards. That's the slogan of the restaurant. Do you get that? If, if our food, drinks, and service aren't up to your standards, please lower your standards. And I think so many people have accepted that as truth and live that way. Hmm? And so that would be the opposite of what I want to talk to you about, but that always stuck with me. We want to talk to you about excellence. You know what excellence is. It's, it's being over and above, right? Yes. In fact, that's, I looked it up. That's, that's one of the definitions. Over and above, beyond the norm, that which stands out from the rest. We'd use this term sometimes, the cream of the crop, right? It's that quality that motivates a person to go beyond average and move and press towards superiority, Excellence is not just what you do, it's who you are. 
Therefore, it affects whatever you do. Excellent people, have you ever met one? They have it together. I don't mean they're flawless. I don't mean they're perfect. And I'm not saying superior in the sense of um, uh, having a superiority kind of attitude. You know, that's wrong, of course. But an excellent person, is, their life is not random and their life is not haphazard. One of, the, one of the things that stands out to me, and I thank God I've been around some excellent people and the Lord's allowed me to, to watch some people, sometimes be with them for long periods of time and really watch what made them excellent. An excellent person is very, very impressive, yet they never try to impress. Did you get that? An excellent person is impressive. But they're not trying to impress you. Why? They're just being who they are, a person of excellence. I know you found Philippians, haven't you? All that was to give you some time to get to the text. Now, in, we, we talk a lot of times, of course, you know that the Apostle Paul, through the, the Spirit of God, through the Apostle Paul, penned the, the book of Philippians as he did uh, a lot of the other books in the New Testament. And we've talked before, haven't we, about some of the prayers that Paul prayed and wrote down for the church. We talk about those Ephesians prayers. You remember that, uh, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you'd have the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of him. And then in, over in Ephesians 3, uh, you know, that I pray that God would strengthen you with might by his spirit in the inner man. Some of you are looking at me with such big eyes that I know I need to teach on those again because you're not familiar <laughs> maybe with what I'm talking about. But Paul prayed some prayers for the churches. Don't you know that if he prayed them and they're recorded in the word, they're, so, they're, they're scriptural as you can get. Yes. You know, if you want to pray and get your prayers answered, uh, this is uh, unrelated to the message, but, but yet it's good to hear. You want to pray scripturally. Yes. You want to pray in line with the word. So many people, what they pray is not scriptural and they wonder why they don't get answers. You have to pray in agreement with the word of God. Therefore, you have to know what the word says and teaches. Uh, a good place for that is the church. Amen. Well, there's another prayer that, that we don't give the same attention to, but it's right here in the book of Philippians in chapter one. It starts out in verse nine. Paul says, this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless till the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Uh, I want to call your attention to verse 10 where it says, so that you may be able to discern what is best. The King James said that you may be able to approve things that are excellent. Can I read this to you in the amp out of the Amplified Bible? Listen real good, please. Paul's praying for the church. What's his prayer? What's his heart's desire for the church? In Philippians 1 here in the Amplified Bible, it says, So that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value. Paul's prayer for the church is that they, in essence, would be people of excellence. Glory to God. How do you do that? You find out, that's what he said, that you'd find out the truth, that you'd have depth of insight. You find out what's best and you commit to it to be a person of excellence. 
personal excellence. It's a system of, of standards and goals that you have for yourself, not that somebody else has for you. It's goals that you have for yourself, and it's, it's driven by a commitment to, to doing the best and being the most effective. Do you know that there is a best way to do everything, and God knows what that best way is? Hmm? I mean, if you wash cars, there's a best way to do it. God can help you find that best way. If you serve tables, there's a best way. You know, I used to, uh, when I was in graduate school in Rochester, about 1989, I, I got a job working at an Italian restaurant, waiting tables. And uh, I did that for most of the year. And I found out that there was a best way to do it. Uh, if you would learn how to consolidate yourself, you could make less trips back and forth. I'm going to know you could make one salad at a time and bring one bowl at a time out and say, hang on, I'll be right back with yours. Or you can make them all at once and get all the drinks at once and bring the bread. Huh? There's a best way. There's a way of excellence. And you can find that out. It took me a while, but I did. I didn't drop too much on people. Much of the church world is not made up of excellent people. A matter of fact, if you're a person of excellence, you will stand out big time. Um, if you're a ministry of excellence, you will be criticized for being such. You know, there's a, there's a woman minister that all of you know by the name of Joyce Meyer. And she, she, I've, I know some of the people that work for her and things like that. And, and I can tell you that they're a ministry of excellence. And they get articles written in the paper, bad articles about them because they have excellent facilities and their grounds are excellent and, and uh, she's paid excellently. Well, that's terrible. Why? Huh? Who does she represent? The Lord. She's not paid too much for what she does. Well, thank you. I lost some of you on that, I think. But she's talked about how the fact that she, her desire is to have an excellent ministry. And she said, I've had to go confront people before, people that worked for me and sit them down and say, listen, you are not a person of excellence and therefore you're not fitting into what we're doing here unless you change. Amen. If you're going to be a person of excellence, you will be a little lonely because people won't like your standards. They'll want you to do what? Lower your standards. So that everything is cool and everything matches us. How many are going to not lower their standards? You know, somebody somewhere must have taught that if you love Jesus, that nothing else matters. And in a sense that that's true because nothing else is a close second to the Lord. But it's not true that nothing else literally matters. It's, and so people have taken that to mean, well, if you're a Christian, it's OK to be slack in every other area. Except showing up, you know, and, and worship. But how many have seen that kind of mentality? Maybe it hasn't been preached uh, word for word like that, but you've kind of seen that just in churches everywhere. I have. I've been in a lot of them. The church lacks in excellence in a big way, and it's one of the reasons why successful people of the world ignore us. Who wants to be less than I already am? Excellence is more concerned with long-term quality than short-term quantity. When I was living in Oklahoma, 
the area that I lived in, my city was called Broken Arrow. Somebody said, no wonder the Indians didn't make it. There's, there's Broken Bow, there's Broken Arrow, and there's a city called No Water. Broken Arrow, Broken Bow, No Water. You know, no wonder. It wasn't my joke, it was somebody else's. But anyhow, Broken Arrow was, was uh, to the main city, Tulsa, kind of like what here in Orchard Park is to Buffalo. You know, you're separated by a little ways. And, but then these cities started to grow together with all the suburbs. And they were just building like crazy. When, I mean, houses were going up everywhere when we were out there. You could build a house. I mean, for, and of course, this is in the 90s, not necessarily today, but for $150,000, you would not believe what you could build in this place. You'd have no trees on your lot because there, there weren't any, you know, but, but it was unbelievable what you could build, just an absolutely outstanding, something that maybe around here would cost in the 300s uh, today. But people were building, 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 and they were going up real cheap and going up everywhere. But I looked at some of the other subdivisions that had that same pattern going on, and the houses were built in the 80s, just 10, 15 years earlier than when I was there. And they looked like they needed to be knocked down and replaced. Huh? Why? They were looking for short-term quantity. How cheap can we do it and how many can we get up right now? But excellence wants to know about the long-term quality of the thing. Is this okay today? It goes beyond just saying, did you do it? And it asks, did you do it right? Everybody say, there's a best way. There's a right way. And that's how I do it. An excellent person doesn't do things that aren't worth taking the time to do right. right. The, the, how many have heard the saying, they don't make it like they used to? That should never apply to your work. That should never apply to your life. Do you know that we have a God of excellence? Yes. And that's why we're talking about this today. How did God start out this whole thing that you and I are involved in? He started out by saying, let there be light. And there was light. And he started out by saying, let there be, uh, you know, let there be water that separates the, the, the two different firmaments, things like that. And at the, at the end of his creation, it says that God looked over all that he'd made. And it was very, very good. Very good. I, I, let me read that verse to you out of the New Living Translation. Genesis 1:31 says, God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was excellent in every way. Amen. Don't you know that God made this world to last? Yes. Hmm? Did the Lord exceed the minimum building codes for making a planet? <laughs> he, he went way past them. How many believe that? Come on now, this, this thing's been spinning in midair for a long, long time because God made it good. Excellent. And don't you know that we could have gotten by here on earth without a lot of the things that we enjoy here? Hmm? Anybody ever seen a gorgeous mountain scene that takes your breath away? He didn't have to put all those here. We've used the term, talked about the Lord, how he's a God of too much. He always seems to go past the minimum requirements. That's just another way of saying he's a God of Excellent. To excel means to go beyond, to move past, to be excellent. He is excellent. So we have a God of excellence. Well, I'd like you to turn to Mark 7. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
I'm going to turn there in the Amplified Bible because I know that's where I want to read it. Mark 7. If you found Mark 7, would you say I'm I'm there? Good. All the way down at the 31st verse. Mark 7, 31 says Jesus. Now, we've talked about how the Lord created the earth. He did everything excellent in every way. What about Jesus? Jesus left the the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. There were some people brought there. Some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to, to place his hand on the man. So they're wanting Jesus to do what? Well, yeah, and specifically, they want Jesus to lay hands on him. Verse 33 says, after he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, this Greek word or Aramaic word, whatever it is, ephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Now, notice this, everybody. When the people brought to him this man, they didn't say, Jesus, here's this man. We want you to put your fingers in his ears, spit, and touch his tongue with the spit. Did they? No, they just wanted him to put his hands on him real nice-like. Hmm? You know, I said this before. I'll say it again. You can't tell God how to get it to you. Hmm? If he says, go dip in the river seven times, you can't, six won't do. You got to do it his way. I have a message that's out there and, uh, with some of the CDs we released in the healing series called Healing God's Way, which, which means not your way. But how many would be okay if you couldn't hear and if you couldn't talk, how many would, would be okay with having his fingers in your ears and some spit on your tongue if it meant you could talk? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. A lot of people read that and say, oh, gross. <laughs> now, if you if, if you got results and did Jesus get results here, yes. then it's OK. Jesus commanded them. Verse 36 says not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. Look at this next statement, please. It says he has done everything well. In the Amplified Bible. It says, verse 37, he has done everything excellently. Everything that Jesus did was done with excellence. His, I mean, his ministry was marked with excellence to the degree that people commented on it. Wow, this is well done. Now, what happened here? This was, this was a miracle. And they were impressed with his excellence. I don't know. I kind of think I'd just be impressed with the fact that the guy could talk and the guy could hear and he couldn't before. But but yes, they were impressed with that. But they said he everything he's done. He's done everything excellently. Are are you the one that goes to the school? What's your school? What's it called? He goes to the school of excellence. Amen. I know him. He's a he's a young man of excellence. I like that. School of Excellence. You might might want to put your kids in there. (laughs) Jesus is given as our supreme model of excellence. 
What did Jesus do before he was uh, full-time in ministry? Anybody know? Carpenter. What do you think his work was like? Huh? You think he bought the fake wood? You know how you can get the particle board? and the, We call it was wood. My father-in-law works with wood a lot. and We, we went to buy a piece, look at a piece of furniture one day. And in the store, we asked the guy, is it wood? And, uh, and the guy said, it was wood. So we've just called it was wood from, from then on because he said it was wood. And, and you know, it's not built to last. It's not excellence. Did Jesus use that? No. Were, you think people were all the time returning stuff to Jesus saying, can, can you make these legs the same size, same length so the table doesn't rock? No, you know that whatever he did, he did it with excellence. What is excellence? You, you go beyond the minimum, not because somebody's making you, but because you want to. You go beyond the minimum and you find out what's the best way, what's the most effective way, and that is what we're going to do. God is most excellent. And so therefore, if you and I are going to represent him, it has to be with excellence. He demands it. He demands it. It hasn't been preached too much, and that's one of the reasons we're doing it now. Amen. I have for you, share with you uh, several things in what will be a series here, but one of the things I'd like to share with you are reasons why people are not excellent. Does that sound like it could be fun? <laughs> I have about six of them, and I, I think, are you okay for hearing maybe one or two of them before we're dismissed today, and then we'll just pick up next time unless the Lord leads us a different way? Is that all right? Yes. Reasons why people are not excellent. And, you and what you and I want to do is hear these and take some inventory of our life and make sure that none of these apply to you. And if they do, make some adjustments, make some changes. Because I believe, I really do, that I'm looking at a group of excellent individuals. People that represent the Lord really well. Number one. Reasons why people aren't excellent. They're concerned only about reaching man's minimum standards. Number one, uh, this isn't, these aren't in any particular order uh, of importance or anything like that. But number one, they're concerned only with reaching man's minimum standards. We'll, we'll ask you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. If you don't know where Colossians is, we were in Philippians and it's the next book over from Philippians. Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. Paul wrote all three of those as well as the book of Philemon when he was in prison. Have you found Colossians 3? I'd like to call your attention to the 23rd verse. Listen to what it says. It says, whatever you do. Now, what did it say? Whatever, whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart. As working for who? The Lord, not for men. Do I need to read that again? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. There are, there are other verses that talk about doing a good job for your employer and, and uh, you know, making sure that, you, uh, that you're not a slacker on the job because of the fact that you do work for men. But this verse says here, ultimately, who's your boss? The Lord. 
And it doesn't just say on the job, didn't just say, uh, you know, at home. It said, whatever you do, do it how? Some translations say heartily or this says with all your heart. Could we say all the way? Do it up. Do your best. If you're building a float, come on now. <laughs> Just referring to our recent act, if you're building a float, do a nice one. That's why I don't like third place. Thank God for it. But you know, I want the best. If it represents God, it should be the best out there. You know, can I tell you a quick story? Uh, when I was out at Rama. Right, you know, where I went to Bible school, Rama Bible Training Center, and then the, the church there, they have a strong, strong reputation for excellence. And, and I mean, you walk on the campus and it about knocks you over with, I mean, the flowers on the campus just, uh, they don't, they just, uh, it, it looks like it's a whole flower shop in one flower bed. You know what I'm saying? They just do it big, the landscaping. Oh man, it's so gorgeous. And you just walk on there and you say, my God, this is a place of excellence. You walk in the auditorium and you see the orchestra pit come up from the ground on the hydraulic thing. And you see the pulpit go down when there's a singer singing hydraulically and it comes back up. And there's a globe that comes down out of the ceiling and spins. Around. It just says excellence all over the place. Well, they had a Christmas parade <laughs> in the town. And uh, they decided that we're going to enter a float in this parade. And, they, and, and now the pastor, if he does something, he wants to win. I guess that's where I got it, you know. And uh, so he put some, some people on, got some volunteers to build this float. 25,000 Christmas lights later, <laughs> going down the street, it looked like an, air, it looked like an airport. Going down the street, they had, they had singers, live singers bundled up, a sound system. I mean, they won. They won so many years in a row, they asked them to stop, you know, doing that. They stopped doing the contest, I think. What did they do? They said, hey, if we're doing it, we're going to do it all the way to the best of our ability to, to where we feel like God is satisfied. You know, you could spend too much time on stuff. Hmm? We did a float. It was possible at some, you know, it would have been possible for us to spend too much time. The Lord, you know, would have had to deal with us. You got other things to do. Quit it. You can go overboard. You can put your priorities wrong. But 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 by and large, you need to do your best at it. Do it all the way because you're working for the Lord, not just for men. So if you obey this verse, you're not just going to be concerned about what's the minimum that my boss will let me get away with. You you, you, you're wanting to exceed that. If God's going to accept it, it has to be done all the way, right? To whatever his standards are. Be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. Would you like one more of these reasons before we're dismissed here? So that's the first reason why people are not excellent. A second reason why people are not excellent. They are not individuals of strong purpose. They're not individuals of strong purpose. Do you know that if you're going to be an excellent purpose, uh, per, if you're going to be an excellent person, it's going to be on purpose, not accidentally. I have a scripture for you here back in Philippians chapter 3. You know, Paul spent a lot of his life um, 
going down really the wrong path. Did you know that? And even after Jesus came, Paul didn't receive the message. He rejected it. And then he, with all his heart, you can't fault him there. And he thought he was doing it for the Lord, not for men. But he persecuted Christians, wanted to kill every one of them that he could find. He was gung-ho. Well, then, of course, thank God you know the story how he saw the light from heaven and received Jesus as his Lord, got on the right path. And I think Paul, somehow or another, uh, because the Lord did appear to him and said, Paul, you're going to suffer some serious things for my sake. Um, I think Paul thought that every day was going to be his last. And he acted like it. And Paul, more than anybody I've ever, uh, you know, read after, studied after, had a strong, strong sense of purpose. You don't have the feeling that Paul was walking around aimlessly, do you? Uh, without knowing what really what he was going to do. You see his purpose in Philippians chapter three. Have you found that? Yes. And, and we could really start reading most of the chapter, but we'll just start in verse 10 where he outlines his purpose. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. That's Paul's purpose. And now, now look what he says, though, about it in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this. In other words, he said, I haven't crossed the finish line. I'm headed that direction, but I don't feel like I'm I'm 100 percent there yet. I've not already been made perfect, but I press on. You might want to underline those words there where it says, I press on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. What is it, Paul? I forget those things which are behind. I strain toward what is ahead. And here again, I press on. Toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Somebody tell me, did Paul know where he was going and what he was doing and what his goals were? He was an individual of strong, strong purpose. Look, he didn't first talk about reaching and straining. First, he gave you his three point outline about what his goals were. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to be able to fellowship with his sufferings. Somebody comes to you and says, what's your purpose in life? Do you have your outline like Paul's? Or is it, well, I want to wake up and I want to find me a job and I just want to make as much money as I can to do with what I don't know. But so I can eat and then I want to die eventually. Huh? Most people you meet don't have strong purpose on the inside. I mean, you walk in here, you see our motto that the Lord gave us life with purpose. We're going somewhere. You don't strain and press like Paul said, unless you know what you're straining and pressing towards, right? I mean, could you imagine somebody asks you, well, how are you doing? Well, I'm just reaching and straining and pressing for what? I have no idea, but I'm, I'm reaching towards it. You don't stretch, you know, you don't stretch that last little bit. To get across the goal line. You ever seen the running backs when they're, I know most of you don't like football, but I do. You ever seen the running backs? I mean, when the goal line is right there. And I mean, it looks like they went one step and ran into a wall of people, but somehow they wiggle their body and get the ball over the goal line and it counts. Huh? Why were they reaching and straining? 
because of the big white line. Huh? The goal line. Their sense of purpose. Got to get the brown ball across the white line. Got to. What's your purpose running back? Got to get the ball across the white line. Wide receiver, what's your purpose? Got to catch the ball and run it across the white line. The white line is their goal. It's their purpose. If Christians would have a clue to their purpose as much as a good football player, we'd be in great shape. Huh? Then, once you know what the goal is, then you can press. Then you can strain. Then you can reach because you see it there. And what are you doing by doing that? You're going beyond the norm. How many know if you have a, if you catch a ball and you look up and you see five big guys standing there with their arms locked? The norm is to stop right there and give them the ball. Please don't hurt me. Huh? But what does excellence do? Excellence finds its way through the wall and gets to the line. It goes beyond. If you're not a person of excellence, you won't do it. We have to have strong purpose. Do you know that world records are never broken accidentally. That one one hundredth of a second that people need to break the record is the result of a lot of focus, a lot of pressing, a lot of straining. But they know what the goal, they know what their goal is. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, can you tell that this is a Good series of messages that we're going to get into. And, and how many will just purpose right now uh, to allow some of these things? If, if it doesn't, if your life's not matching them, you're purposing to maybe make some adjustments and changes in you. Are you OK with that? And how many will just say by lifted hand right now that no matter what pastor says in the next couple of weeks, you're not going to get mad and leave the church over it. Lift your hand up if you if you'll say you won't leave because you got mad what pastor said. Because I just let you know you're happy today, but some of that's coming. Okay. Hallelujah.